Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take. It's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 144. I'm Schmitty. I'm Zoner. And I'm Zook. And it is our end of year show, which in years past has gone a little bit off the rails. Not like any of our other shows are normally on the rails, but we've normally done a prediction show. Every year at the end of the year, we've done a year in review and a prediction going forward. I think we've decided not to do that this year. Well, the holidays falling on a Wednesday this week and next week, there's like nobody doing anything. Everybody took the next two weeks off. So yeah. we're going to, we're going to milk it for all it's worth. Phrasing. Um, we, that and the fact that we've often been about as right as often as we are wrong on our prediction shows. So this year we're only doing half of our predictions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, first, we're going to give a shout-out to our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. So, yay, if you have not checked out their awesome sites, you definitely should. Now, uh, we do have some headlines, which is kind of surprising because it took forever and a day to get these headlines, but we did have some things happen this week, or at least news of them came out. Uh, first off, remember last week how we talked about how the NSA said, well, no, we, we don't really sabotage other people's products to gain access, and Obama's cabinet said, well, even if they say they don't, they shouldn't in the future either. It has come to light that sometime in the past few years, the NSA has had a contract with RSA, and I'll get into in a moment who they are, to sabotage their encryption algorithm to allow easier access to it. Now, the RSA, if you don't know what an RSA algorithm is, it is a rolling code algorithm. It's part of a two-stage authentication system. That's a lot of big words, but here's the gist of it. You have a username. You have a password, and then you have a rolling code. The code does not stay static. I think it changes every, what, 30 seconds? Is it a minute? 30 or 60, depending on the device. Yeah, I thought it was 60. Yeah, and it uses a special algorithm that's based on your name and uh, usually another seed key, what they call it, to generate a hash code. And this hash code changes regularly. So even if even if I stole Zoner's username and password... And even if I stole his six-digit access code, it wouldn't do me any good because in 30 seconds, that access code is going to change. Now, when this technology came about, I mean, this algorithm was developed in the 70s, and people bragged that it could never be hacked. It could never be cracked. And admittedly, I mean, even though it had finally been cracked, it took, what, 25, 28 years it, it well, took when, nearly three decades to break it. When that got cracked a few years ago, though, that was a big deal. I mean, that that was a really big deal. And I'm wondering now, uh, with this contract between the NSA and RSA to weaken the encryption, if that actually led to the hack that that's RSA saw. Yeah, that's possible. That's... Yeah, I hadn't considered that, but you're right. That would have coincided on time. Now... The NSA wants access to everything. You know, we know this. This isn't news. Well, it, it was news. But 
you can't say, I'm just going to give backdoor access to the NSA just to this one thing that uses RSA protection. So what the RSA did was they weakened their algorithm to be more easily exploited by everyone. In order to make it easier for the NSA, they inadvertently made it easier for everyone to crack the system. Well, geez, you'd think that kind of backroom deal would have to be huge, right? I mean, they'd have to pony up a lot of money to convince the world's leader in two-stage authentication to, to leave this kind of gaping hole open, right? Or you could just pay them $10 million. It's nice to know that our security is worth so little to somebody who prides himself on security. I, $10 million sounds like a lot to me. It sounds a lot, like a lot to any one person, you know, but $10 million for companies, that's chump change. You know, I, that's just, that's just a slap in the face is what it is. Yeah, we RSA basically sold out their entire customer base for $10 million, is what that is. They sold everyone out. Now, strangely, this makes me feel a little bit worse because a while back, I decided to enable two-stage authentication on all my accounts. All my Gmail accounts, my Facebook, um, anything that takes two-stage authentication, I enabled it. Now I don't think that really matters so much. <laughs> I mean, it still helps against the casual hackers. You know, whenever Adobe loses my password again, or Sony loses my credit card information, or Target loses my PIN, it's always nice that I have two-stage authentication because it protects me against things like that. But now I know that it's not going to do jack squat against the government. And it really could. I mean, let's... Lest we forget, the only reason the NSA felt threatened by this in the first place is because it was something they couldn't crack on their own. Right. Now, most of these entities that you named uh, probably don't use RSA's uh, algorithm for their two-stage authentication. However, this kind of asks the question, how much is NSA into all the other forms of two-stage authentication? Does Do they have an in on Google's two-step authentication and, yeah, uh, and so on. So yeah, it's it is a big worry. It's like more and more. The more and more we learn, it's starting to sound more like Big Brother 1984. Not fun. <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately, it's making it sound like 1984 actually happened ten years ago. Yeah, it actually happened in 1984, just like they planned. <laughs> you know, I actually read 1984 a few years ago, and I remember thinking to myself. Holy crap, this is happening now. And it was, it was only about four or five years ago that I read that. And if I was able to see it then, and I'm just an idiot, imagine people who have their finger on the pulse of all this stuff that's going on. If what, you know, what their reaction would be. Right. Well, they probably saw it and they decided to make money off of it at the very beginning. They got in on the ground floor as it was. Kind of like Amway. In in retrospect, if where we are now, if we were to have jumped to our current state in 1984, it would have seemed like 1984, the book was coming true. But we're it's kind of like the the frog in a boiling pot of water. We're slowly getting acclimated to all these 
all these issues, and before it's too late, well, it is too late, <laughs> we now have no security. So it's kind of kind of odd that way. Yeah. I don't know what the French in a hot tub have to do with anything. <laughs> Did I say French in a... In a... I oh, frog. sorry. Fr- frog in boiling waters. <laughs> I, same, same. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. Well, that that escalated quickly. <laughs> okay, in some other security news, news has come out this week that Samsung may be facing a problem with their Knox system. Uh, if you're not familiar, Samsung has a bit of software installed, pre-installed on Android smartphones and tablets called Knox after Fort Knox, okay, and OX. And it's meant to encrypt or sandbox the user's email, their inbox. Uh, and back text in the day, and-, and text messaging, all basically all data. Back in the day, the only other people that could do this were BlackBerry, which is why Blackberries were the end all be all of enterprise security for mobile phones. Well, we know how that's gone. Companies like Apple and Microsoft and, you know, Nokia and HTC and LG and Samsung have all been trying to crack at it. And some have had better luck than others. Well, among the top of the pile was Samsung with this Knox system. Uh, I use it all the time at work. My job actually relies on it because so many of my coworkers hate BlackBerry. They refuse to use them. So I rely on the Knox system with their Samsungs. Well, it turned out this week that allegations have come out that the Knox system actually allows malicious threats to attack your inbox. Just on the Galaxy S4. Right. Well, right. I, I've seen so many problems with the Galaxy S4 when it comes to the Knox system. This does yeah. not surprise me at all. If you want an Android phone, do not get a Galaxy S4. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Schmitty, no, I know okay. you like yours. I no, know you like that. yours, but... I think you're reading into it too much. This isn't so much a, a downer on Galaxy S4. It's only it's Galaxy S4s with the Knox software. If, if you're getting a phone for personal reasons and you have no reason um, to sandbox your data with a, with a corporation, you're not using it for work or anything like that, the Galaxy S4 is a, a perfectly good phone despite the fact that it could catch on fire. <laughs> okay, yeah, see last week's episode. No, but if, if you're a corporation looking to get a sandbox environment for your employees, Zook's right. Don't get the Galaxy S4. Uh, on and the don't get hand, the S3 either, I found out. Right, and, and it, don't it, get BlackBerry either. So what are you left with? So, so I, I just recently found out that the S3 had a manufacturing defect that if you leave it charging overnight... <laughs> actually shortens the battery life. Because mm-hmm. this is back in the day of NICAD batteries, evidently. <laughs> this is not this is not a recommendation show. But honestly, um, for Christmas, I bought my wife an LG G2 phone. Her nice. old phone was just, it was, it was needing to be rebooted daily. The battery had to be dropped repeatedly to get it to work. It had just hit the end of its viable life, so we got our new phone for Christmas. That G2, gentlemen... And I've never been a fan of LG phones, but this G2, it makes me kind of wish I was back on Android. <laughs> it is a nice phone, and it's cheaper than the S4. They are good phones. Um, and it's faster. I w- we would be willing to uh, review this phone, LG, if you'd like to uh, send this one. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, if you do use enterprise security for your Samsung Galaxy S4, don't be surprised if suddenly your IT guy comes around yelling for your phone to be updated pretty soon. 
I expect Samsung will be trying to fix this as they are primed to take over that spot left by BlackBerry, and they, it's really in their best interest to do so. I, I think they recently just announced a uh, an, a, <clears throat> an OTA update for Knox within a month, so which is still too <laughs> too long, but. Yeah, Better if you have them. an issue like this, do you want to wait a month? I mean, the news is out. Well, it's, it's not that they're waiting a month. It's that it's going to take a month for them to code the fix. Because <laughs> it, it's not just a, an issue with the Knox software. It's it's an issue with a, a combination with the phone and the software. So they, they have to push a, a software update on Knox and a software update for the Galaxy S4. So it's a it's a bigger issue than they... And then Verizon's going to need to make sure that all their bloatware works with it, so it'll be another two months after that. Oh, Oh, gentlemen, don't gripe. (laughs) It's it's okay, because I don't use Knox, uh, and I never will because I use my phone for personal uses. Right up until Gmail says that to use Gmail, you must use a secure system on your phone. (laughs) No, Knox will only work with Samsung apps. It won't work with the Gmail app. This is true. Okay, um, so as you've probably heard by now, and if you haven't, I'd be surprised, uh, the shipping companies had a real problem this year for Christmas. Uh, UPS and FedEx primarily, um, I have personal experience with this myself, but Both many right? people did not get their packages by Christmas. Both now, of you were affected by this, weren't you? You and... I I was not this year. I have been affected oh. in years past. Many people were saying it. that they had purchased last-minute gifts on, like, Amazon or eBay or whatnot and had bought the guaranteed two-day shipping, and it did not come in two days. Now, is is this a problem with the retailer? Is this a problem with the carriers? <clears throat> Who's to blame here? Or is it both? I think it's both. I, I have a problem with... Um, a retailer who has has no contractual tie with the shipper promising um, a certain a certain time range or date range well, of shipping. That's not entirely fair. Many okay. retailers have special agreements with the shipper, Amazon and when not. and when Amazon, when you say buy two day shipping with Amazon for like thirty bucks. Mm-hmm. They don't pocket that money and drop it into general freight. They turn around and they buy the more expensive two-day shipping with UPS or FedEx. You know, let's let's be fair here because both ones had problem. Um, and there's and UPS is supposed to say, okay, yes, we understand that this person bought this package from you with two-day guaranteed shipping. We're on it. Now, so that part that falls, I believe, the blame falls on the shipping carrier. However. They say 45, they received a 45% surge above what they were expecting to receive for their air shipment just on that instant shipping. So that kind of falls to the fault of the purchasers, of the consumers, to buy everything at the last minute, dump it on the shipping company and say, hmm, you're up, figure it out. But that is not all who it affected. I bought my present for my wife almost three weeks ago. Three weeks. It's been sitting in a local shipping warehouse for five and a half, six days. It only just now got to us today, the day after Christmas. It was delayed four times, and on more than on three occasions, they completely screwed up the delivery. One day, just not even loading the truck. 
So that's not a last minute thing. No, yeah. And so it it kind of begs the question though. I mean, Amazon or or any insert any retailer here um if, if they just requote the actual um shipment package that you buy, like if it's called two day guarantee shipping package by UPS, if they simply just quote that, I believe the the blame it is on the shipping company. But from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing in like screenshots and stuff, there were Amazon pages actually saying we guarantee this shipment by or or purchase now to guarantee your shipment by Christmas Eve. That was Amazon yes. saying it and not the the name of the shipping package that the customer was selecting. So right. in that case, it is Amazon's fault for saying that they are going to personally see that this is going to be shipped by Christmas and, Eve. And in those cases, Amazon has been reported as uh, refunding the shipping cost and providing a $20 gift card. Well, so that's, so good. They're, that's good. They're trying to make good on it. But I wouldn't be surprised if this doesn't uh, shake up some relations between you know, the, the shippers and the shippies. You know, I do a lot of shipping, uh, for my job. I don't do it, but we have a, we have a shipping monkey who does that. I have a person Uh, for that. (laughs) (laughs) We, I have, I have a boy for that, but, um, all month long, all through the month of December, every time I go and I check tracking information for a shipment that I've sent, had sent out, there's always something there saying we are experiencing shipping delays, uh, inclement weather, whatever the case may be. December has been a bad month all around for the shipping companies. And I'm wondering if they're still playing catch up and the Christmas rush just was too much for them to handle. I, I think it was. I think it really, really was. I mean, I know that weather was cold all year, but this – not all year, I should say, but all season – Weather has hit the U.S. really, really hard. At the same time, this is just kind of weird. Uh, my wife and I were noticing something, though, as we were driving home Christmas Eve from family, that we didn't see any retailer open. None. They were all closed. And it yep. kind of reminded me back in the day, there was always like Kmart would stay open. You know, back <laughs> in the day. For, yeah, Toys R Us for those really stupid last-minute shoppers. Because back in the day, that used to be something that people would do. Mm-hmm. And now, as online retailers have grown bigger, you don't see the last-minute shopper anymore because you can't get something immediately if you last-minute shop. If you tried to buy something on Amazon Christmas Eve night, no matter what amount you paid, it was not going to get under your tree by Christmas morning. (laughs) But now, a lot of people are asking, hey, you know, if I just bought this locally, then I wouldn't have had to deal with any of this. So I'm wondering if this might become kind of a wake-up call for a lot of people that maybe we need to keep the brick-and-mortar stores around. Yeah, well, and on the other hand, there are some shipping companies out there that do deliver on time, and maybe it's just because they haven't hit the masses yet. Um, My my wife and I, we shop online at diapers.com for a lot of things, more than just diapers. Um, But uh, they use a shipping company, and right now I can't think of the name. Um, And somehow they have an outlet here, I guess. Because every time we order, it doesn't matter how late it is at night, we could order, make an order right now, and it'll get here tomorrow morning. Um, so, I mean, it, it is possible there are shipping companies out there that that can deliver on time, and um, 
and there are ways to do it. So I kind of wonder with with Amazon's announcement of the uh, the drone, whether or not it was a joke. Um, it kind of makes me wonder if they're seriously thinking of getting into the shipping business as well as as just the retail um, to to approach problems like this. So. Well, and in fairness, I've used UPS and FedEx a lot over the years. And when I say a lot, I, a lot, lot, lot. And they are good companies, but I think this month has just been, I, I think they just had it handed to them repeatedly between the storms and now overzealous last minute stupid shoppers. You know, I, I think it was just too much for them to, to overcome and it screwed up a lot of people's Christmases. I've been there. I know what it's like to not have that toy Wally under your tree for your kid who just wants a toy Wally. Yeah. So, but it shows up at 3 p.m. later that day because for some reason USPS is delivering. Like Santa, where's Brown now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, no, that was his reindeer. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Well, um, into some different news, very different news, in fact. The rock metal band Iron Maiden. If you don't know who they are, ask your parents. Anyway, <laughs> maybe an unfair jab, but they're an older band. It's okay. Uh, they're a huge rock metal band, and they were trying to figure out what was happening with their record sales and just where the where the listeners were. They found using an analytics team, that their band was surging in popularity in Latin America countries. They also found, using that same analytics team, that's where most of the music that they had was being pirated. Music piracy for their songs, for their albums, was shooting through the roof in Latin America. Other bands have had different reactions to this. Metallica famously sued everyone. Uh, other bands pulled their label so they couldn't do it anymore. I mean, bands have had different reactions. They decided, well, you know, those guys over at Stolen Droids had a pretty good idea. You can't pirate a concert. Not really. I'm, <laughs> it's quoted. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's quoted. It's, it's, it's credited. Um, they decided to increase their concert tours there. And so they decided to, schedule a full-on tour through Latin America, through all those areas that have been pirating their music, they realize that they're not pirating their music because they're trying to be mean. They're pirating our music because they really like they're our fans. music. <laughs> yeah. And you can't pirate a concert. Their ticket sales went through the roof. Just proving what we've been saying all along. Again, we're not so brash and arrogant as to think we're the only ones having this idea. This is just kind of common sense. But if people are pirating your music, try and make the money some other way. And I don't mean by taking grandma to court for it. Right. It. I don't know why if three nobodies from Utah can figure it out why the music industry can't. Yeah, a fan is a fan, and it, if if a fan is pirating your their music, guess what? They will show up to your your show. Take a show to them, <laughs> and they'll show up. Exactly, and if it just really, I think what it means is a lot of bands don't want to have to do that little bit of extra effort. I'm not calling you guys lazy out there, 
but sorry, making the music and putting it up on the air isn't making the money anymore. Now you actually have to go and tour in those areas and actively sell the merchandise. I have very little sympathy for you. I run a podcast for free. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have a limo. <laughs> well, I think they started, uh, the music industry started to see that trend about a decade ago. That, um, I mean, even before, before iTunes, before digital music, um, was coming about, they saw that they would make loads more money on tours than by selling albums. Um, and so a lot of, a lot of bands started going on tours. A lot of bands that had broken up previously were getting back together to go on tours, um, because music just wasn't being sold. Um, so, I mean, it, it's been known by, by the labels for a long time that in order to make money in the music industry, you have to go on tours. And this is just solidifying that even more. Mm-hmm. So. And again, I mean, not to, not to sound weird about it. Not that we really review a lot of music here. Not that I'm into Katy Perry or, you know, Carrie Underwood or any of those, you know, even Justin Bieber. <laughs> yeah. But the fact of the matter is those guys are making bank. Those three artists right there that I've mentioned. Plus, if you add in Taylor Swift and, you know, all the little teeny boppers or top 40 or really big yeah. names right now, Beyonce. look at the ones who are making the most money. Yeah. And they're also the ones who tour the most that are, at, that are everywhere. They're constantly in front of the camera. They're constantly everywhere. Love them or hate them. They're the ones who are working for the money. They're not the bands who are recording an album, putting it out there into the wild, and then suing everyone when people start to download it. Well, look at Billy Joel and the deal he just signed with Madison Square Garden. The guy is now a franchise at, at Madison Square Garden in New York. He will be providing concerts there, I believe, on a monthly basis until nobody wants to come That's see him awesome. anymore. Until he's too old? I think Garth Brooks and Celine Dion have a deal. Yeah, Garth Brooks is down at the Wynn in Vegas, I believe. And Celine Dion's at right next door at the. Is she at at Caesars? Caesars? Of course. Why would you go see her when Garth Brooks is right next door? Don't Tim and Faith also have a setup like that? Yeah, at the at Palazzo or something. Yeah. Yeah. Not that we know anything about Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I got to give a little plug here. My wife actually just interviewed Garth Brooks. That's awesome. Just a little bit ago. Quite cool. I'm jealous. So, so I'm not the only one with a mic now in the family. She's going to usurp your authority. <laughs> yeah, she got the big names. <laughs> yeah. Why aren't we interviewing him if she has the... Jeez, uh, man, she failed. I'll send. I'll have her send her a, send him a private message. I'm sure he'll I'm respond. Sure he will. I hear he's a very nice gentleman. Hey, he he really was. He was truly very nice. Uh, hey, speaking of music, barely. This is like the worst transition ever. Rap Genius <laughs> was a lyric website. I shouldn't say was. They still are a lyric website. If you can find them. Some drama unfolded, has been, has been unfolding over the past couple of weeks, and it finally hit its apex this week when Rap Genius suddenly flied to the top of every Google search for lyrics. They couldn't figure out quite how, 
Google was calling, you know, was crying foul that, hey, you're doing something. Something's not right here. Well, they figured it out. Rap Genius was spamming SEO traffic to Google, thereby driving them up in the search results, so much so that they hit number one and held there for a while. Google re- handed down a punishment that only Google, Google possibly can. You can't find Rap Genius now. <laughs> Like if you browse directly to the web page, it's there. But if you were to try and search for it, even if you search for it by name, the only articles you will find are news are articles about how is- you can't find <laughs> rap genius. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I don't think a legitimate link to it shows up to like page twelve. Yeah, it, it, and this isn't the first time Google has done this. this. They they are really strict on their SEO rules, and if you break those rules, they will take your search results out but the it, the volume this happened and the speed this happened um it's it's almost um it's almost funny how how fast it's hit this at the internet um i i can only describe what google did in one way and that is of righteous fury <laughs> <laughs> you know? they, they brought the hurt stick down as it were yeah I think that's kind of awesome, though, because who else can screw you over like Google? I mean, well, the NSA. It's not even like the NSA. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> I, I have, even though I have my own issues with Google, I have a hard time saying this is screwing you over because they're not doing this to some unwitting company who didn't even know this was about to happen. You know, this isn't the same as Schmidt's YouTube channel getting shut down because he had 15 seconds of a video game in the background of one of his videos. No, I, I totally you know, agree with you. Over. But, you know, who else can do something like this besides Google and just completely shut yeah. you down and render you irrelevant? No, no, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Um, I just find it funny. Yeah. So if you're if you're thinking of gaming the SEO algorithms, don't. Uh, this is what you can expect. <laughs> you know we're at the top of our search results. In fact, I think we're the first four pages. You know how we did it by sitting content. around for five and a half years. <laughs> yep. Okay, uh, jumping ahead here, we have another bit of data loss for people. A report came out this week that Target has lost a whole lot of uh, customer PIN numbers. Supposedly, an anonymous executive with the company has has said that 40 million credit cards and debit cards have been compromised by losing the PIN. Now, since then, uh, Target has come out and said, no, 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 that's not the case. We don't know who's saying that, but it's totally inaccurate. Well, can you give us some more details? No. Well, can you say it's absolutely false? Um, no. Well, okay, so I think we should just assume that, yes, they lost 40 million credit card now, didn't, numbers and PIN didn't numbers. Didn't they set up like a 1-800 number where you could actually call in to Target and say, was I affected by this? How can they then say that it didn't happen? Because they like created because the you can spin anything phone anyway. number. I, I don't understand yeah. that. That makes no sense. How would you verify that? All right, Mr. Schmidt, thank you for calling the Target 1-800. Did I get stolen line? Um, to start, can I please have your credit card number? <laughs> Excellent. Can I please have your PIN number? 
Can I please have your expiration date (laughs) and the three-digit code on the back? No, your information was not compromised until just this very moment. (laughs) Thank you for calling. Merry Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) If you happen to notice a 70-inch big screen TV on your receipt, please do not panic. This is natural and part of the credit check process. (laughs) Thank you. Come again. I uh, yeah. How how do you verify that? You know. Yeah. Yeah. I I actually wondered that too. It's it's six. You're good. Now I did shop at Target between the time that they. I guess this was Secret Service busted this. This is how big it was. But I shopped at I shopped at Target during that window, and I dropped a fair chunk of change. I have not, as of yet, noticed any odd behavior on my accounts and i have not been contacted by either target or my bank so i'm hoping i'm in the clear however we do know people uh who are not in the clear and it's made life difficult yeah not fun very not fun okay into other interesting news kind of interesting sort of interesting cool cool news auxiliary interesting (laughs) Uh, earlier this month, China decided to launch something at the moon. Good for them. They're a little bit late. Who cares? Uh, they sent up an automated rover, kind of like the ones that we've been sending to Mars now for a few years, but they decided to send it to the moon. And it made me kind of wonder why we don't do that. You know, I know we landed on the moon, and I know we have satellites that look at the moon, but isn't it kind of weird we decide to send an unmanned rover to Mars and not to explore the moon? It just seems no. weird. Because we we already know what's on the moon. We don't want to expose the the uh, secret Nazi base and the uh, the alien base that's there. Well, yeah, the so, transformers have crashed there. There's yeah. the Nazi base on the far side. There's the MIB Supermax prison on the other side, and then there's the spiders that live under the ground as well. Yeah, we we want to leave those alone. So. Yeah, we don't want people to know. So we'll send it to Mars instead. That just gave me shivers, man. Thinking of spiders. That's. <laughs> Have you seen that movie? I try and avoid it. Arachnophobia is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in was my that a, life. Apollo 18, is that called? I think so, yeah. I think it was Apollo 18. I just saw the trailer for that one, just about lost my crap and said, nope. I, I actually watched. <laughs> it was like a tall glass of I watched nope. about 30 minutes of it and had to turn it off. I, I couldn't do it, but. Yeah. Anyway, so China launched their rover up to the moon and have been happily remote controlling it ever since. Good for them. Okay. They'll probably set up a few, you know, low cost iPhone factories up there. You know, Chinese workers can't, can jump from a lot higher well, <laughs> on the moon before they do any damage. They can jump all they want. They're not going to get hurt when they land. I am jump. going to hell. If they jump too high, they'll just land on the earth. So. Um, anyway, they, <laughs> they released their first up. panoramic image. <laughs> oh, this is a bad episode. This is a bad, bad episode. To our friends in China, we do apologize. No, we don't. Thank you for the phones. Uh, they did release their first panoramic image, and it is this huge, desolate image, evidently taken by an iPhone 3G. Mm-hmm. My my first impression of this of this image was awesome. I've- an image of the moon, uh, since we haven't had one in over 40 years. My second impression of it is, I think the ones 40 years, yeah, I think, (laughs) I think the ones taken 40 years ago were clearer. Were better, yeah. And and that's just that. It's, the moon is so desolate that Mars is way more exciting. 
And this is the reason why we don't send things to the moon anymore, because we know how boring it looks. <laughs> I think I think the general consensus is the moon looks more interesting from Earth than it does on the moon. Right. The image quality is surprisingly bad. I mean, it's it's really bad. It's like it's like they sent the rover up there with a circa two thousand one Logitech webcam. Or they posted it to Instagram with the motion blur filter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's filter this puppy up. <laughs> now, what I find most interesting about this, okay, conspiracy theorists go nuts about how we didn't land on the moon. And one of their big things that they always say is, well, it's because the lighting is wrong. And because you don't see any stars in the background. And that's why, obviously, this is fake. Well, guess what? You people have had 40 years to drive these conspiracy th theories home. This picture is less than a week old, and it still looks the same. It's because all those little theories you have aren't true. They don't hold water. It doesn't matter what theories you throw at the wall. None of it's going to stick. Every picture you take up there is going to look the same. I think it was fake. There's no stars in the background. <laughs> Everyone knows there's stars in space. The lighting's all wrong. The shadow there's, on the rover different from the shadow on the rock. There's a stray dog sitting on the rover that wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> oh, they actually sent rover. They didn't send a rover. They sent they rover. They sent a dog. <laughs> this is floating corpse of a dog being trailed behind the Why rover. do they need a boom mic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, scientific instruments. Just, just thinking, so. No, I... Either way, yeah, it, it's cool. They sent a rocket up. It sent a moon lander and a rover. Um, uh, but, yeah, that's that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Boring, boring. Isn't that sad that space exploration has gotten boring? Okay, into our 2013 year in review. We realized when we were trying to make this episode that um, this was a rather boring year. Actually, not a lot of great stuff happened. Uh, we got a lot of interesting, lot of, interesting announcements for things that will happen in 2014. Yeah, a lot of promises of good stuff. Yeah, but uh, instead we got NSA spying. We got hackers uh, destroying our bank accounts and sometimes our lives. Um, and a bunch of failed releases. So, yay. Let's jump right into it. <laughs> this was supposed to be the year of wearable tech. If you remember, earlier this year at Google I.O., Google introduced the Google Glass. I've just said Google more times in that last sentence than I have in the last month, and I think they love me for it. It was supposed to be the wearable computer. It was going to do everything for you. You could interact with everything. It would give you directions. It would give you video calls. It could give you normal calls. You could talk to it like Siri, get notes, get information like Google Now. Only then they launched it, and it didn't look anything like what it did in the video. It didn't do any of those things. You look like a dork wearing it. The initial versions did not have the battery life or the capabilities even to try and even start doing what the video showed. They've since even introduced a second one in this short time that still doesn't do those things. So we're now two generations in already in under a year. It still hasn't made it out to the general public and has turned into a joke. 
I personally think this isn't a prediction show, but I personally think Google will eventually get the formula right. It will eventually come out to the public. It won't be like the Nexus Q, you know, that, that orb <laughs> uh, media player thing. It will come out, but really this was a complete muck up by Google. It, they should have waited until it was more solidified. It was more ready to go out instead of letting it turn into a terminal mm-hmm. joke. I do agree with them that it was a good idea to get it into developer hands. I don't agree with them charging the developers $1,500 to do that. Yeah. Uh, that that was a mess in and of itself. Hey, developers, developers signing be- up to get it, but then refusing it because they then find out they have to pay $1,500. We know you developers yeah. are made of money, complete <laughs> money, so we're going to charge you $1,500 for a prototype that doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, good job there. Uh, on the heels of that, Samsung released the N- Galaxy Watch. Sony is talking talking about releasing one. The, uh, the iPhone, the iOS version, is going to have one, and even Nokia has toyed with the idea of a smartwatch. So the second half of the year was taken up with the term smartwatch. Yeah. And and Samsung's watch was actually a little a little bit better than than people thought it would be, although still very not expensive. usable. Is what? It's still not usable. Right, not usable. A little bit clunky. Um, only usable with a couple phones. Again, the S4, which we've ragged on a lot, um, and the Note 3. Um, however, I, I mean, it. as far as wearable tech goes, this is probably, I, I mean, smart watches is probably the way that we're we're going. So, yay for Samsung. Good job on, on getting the jump on that. Smart watches will become a wearable thing in 2014. They'll become cheaper. They will become more widespread. Um, and integration with your smartphone will become greater. I don't know if it'll ever truly be accepted. You know, I, I don't make fashion uh, calls. I'm always wrong on it. However, my long-term uh, prediction is that smartwatches will replace smartphones. Instead of being an accessory to the smartphone, they will replace smartphones. It'll be a combination of an interface from your smartwatch to your Google Glass, and those two will work in concert for calls, for browsing, for directions. This may be five years down the line, this may be ten years down the line, but this is where te- personal technology is going. Right now, in my mind, it's just a really expensive add-on to your phone. You might as well get a new car stereo as an add-on to your phone. It'll do more. So interesting, yeah. Okay, uh, this year, early, early this year, actually, right after uh, Zoner and I got back from NMX, in fact, we got word of the Java vulnerability. You guys remember when Java Seven turned out to be. Just like Swiss cheese full of security holes. They said it would take at least two years to fix all the problems with it. Everyone should just go back to Java 6. Admittedly, we said the same thing. Because at the time, that's all we had heard. Well, has anyone heard about this problem since? Nope. Nope. I checked today. uh, (laughs) I've got Java 7 update 45 on my machine. I yeah. do as well, and, and it's working fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm only losing minimal amounts of data to hackers, and so... <laughs> They've really <laughs> tightened that up, it's, really tightened it. And those hackers are the NSA, so I, I think yeah. we're all good. Yeah, so somehow between January of last of this year and December now, um, 
Java Oracle's completely tightened it up, and no fanfare was made about it. Is it that they actually tightened it up, though, or did people just stop caring? <laughs> Probably a bit of column A, a bit of column B. But in any case, Java seems to be back in action. Hooray. And, and Minecraft works perfectly with it. And in a couple weeks, we'll find out that there's still, on... still a year of vulnerabilities to patch. I believe Minecraft is still on Java 6. Maybe I misspoke then. I, I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't do our research. We're, we're great. <laughs> we're, we're second class now. We just make it up as we go. Uh, also in Google news, Google changed Gmail a couple times in 2013, thereby proving they hate Gmail users. Now, what's the first one they did? They got rid of exchange support. That doesn't affect most people. But the ones it does affect, affects them in a really, really bad way. Exchange is the Microsoft proprietary interface that email systems use to talk to each other. Carries both, not just both, but carries email, calendar, contacts, notes. It, it pretty much contains everything. The older versions, called IMAP and POP3, handle just email. Exchange is the industry standard to get everything to sync across with each other. Well, Gmail has supported this out of the gate from the very beginning, from when Gmail first launched in beta. Every phone since the iPhone 3G has all supported Exchange. All of them. And it worked great. Unfortunately, Microsoft's Windows Phone platform started to gain some steam this year. Honestly, not enough to really be worried about it, at least in my mind. I'm a Windows Phone user, and I'm saying that you shouldn't be worried about it. It's so small in the market share, it's not that big an issue. Google disagreed, and they cut Exchange support in order to keep Gmail users from using Windows Phone. It backfired, and the backlash against Google was pretty severe. Pretty How, bad, yeah. However, now, if you have a Gmail account and you want to use an iPhone or a Windows phone, you have to set it up a completely different manner, and it is a nightmare. If you have an Android phone, you also have to set it up differently, but they rewrote Android to do it automatically for you. So it's not a nightmare. It's just still stupid. <laughs> The other ways they changed it, um, honestly, I'm a little less familiar with. There's some more back-end coding that they changed. They added new labels, uh, which, in my mind, are a complete eyesore and make my inbox a living nightmare to try and organize. Really? I, I love them. I, the way everyone, that auto... Everyone either loves them or hates them. Yeah. You know, and that's fine. That's an, that's an opinion thing. But they've been making some major changes to it. Not all of them very popular. Yep. Speaking of not very popular, Apple la launched iOS 7 and OS X Mavericks. Two strikes. Two strikes. Two big, big strikes. For the first time, that shiny veneer that is Apple, that Steve Jobs worked so hard to create, cracked and cracked big. Now, this is on the heels of, even though it was last year, of Apple Maps launching. Because Apple Maps launched in 2012. So, technically, you could consider this three strikes. Do you think this is just Tim Cook is not as good of a CEO as Steve Jobs was? Or do you think that this is something deeper in the Apple infrastructure? 
That's a good question, and I don't have a solid answer for you. I don't think anyone has a solid answer, but I mean that the the pattern is there, and and it's really easy to to blame um, the loss of Steve Jobs on this. But um, well, the timing does work. Yeah, but it's it's really hard to tell. I mean, Tim Cook is not Steve Jobs. No, that much is clear. I I can't even say he's a bad CEO or a good CEO. He just is who he is. Uh, there are parts that I really respect him for, and other parts I don't think he's doing a great job. But whatever, he he is who he is. I think, however, Apple's, you know, modus operandi, the their, the way that they run, only worked with Steve Jobs at the helm. Yeah. With someone else, they need to change how they work, and they haven't yet. Still, the article I pulled this one from is from ZD.net, and the author wrote it in a really interesting way. OSX Mavericks shipped with so many bugs and so many missing features, and was just so generally hated, it managed to do the impossible: simultaneously make Apple look bad and make Windows 8.1 look good. That's pretty telling. Well, I think uh, I've mentioned this on previous shows, but Apple, it seems to me like they're getting their end users to just beta test their stuff. They put it out there as a final product, and they're essentially beta testing with their users. It, it is, it's turning much into, oh, hey, we heard you kids like animated GIFs. Here, our new phone handles animated GIFs. We haven't tested it. We haven't run it through anything, <laughs> but we heard you like it, so we pushed it. Yeah, that's a horrible example, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> now, on, on on the other side of the spectrum, though, they they released the new Mac Pro, and that wasn't such a failure. No, it wasn't. It was the first real, true bit of industrial design that Apple has done on one of their products in, I'd say, three years. Yeah, it looks it looks sexy. It it works well. It's very high performance. The Mac 2D2, I like to call it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is solid Apple. It's what Apple should have been doing all along, um, and it is a good step forward. So, I don't know. Maybe not all is lost for Apple. I would doubt all is lost for Apple. It's such a successful company, and what they do, they do really, really well. Yeah, it's well, just I, every once in a while they do something that's absolutely horrible. <laughs> yeah, and I think you said it best. They're, the way that their MO was worked really well under Steve Jobs. They're still trying that same MO under Tim Cook, um, and and either they have to change their MO or Tim Cook has to act more like Steve Jobs. So it's it's still too early to tell whether or not Apple will will continue on this downward spiral spiral, or if they'll get better. So. Now I think the prediction here is, in my opinion, Apple will regain its footing. Always does. The question is, and the prediction question is, is how quickly they can do it. Will they do it in the first quarter of this coming year, by the last quarter, or are we looking a year out? I'm thinking a year out. I'm thinking at least a year out. I'm thinking I'm thinking they'll pull it together by Christmas next year. They will find some way to make things work. The Apple Google the Apple Google the Apple Glass. <laughs> I was gonna say Apple Google Glass. That doesn't work. There's no way to make that that product name sound cool. No. Sorry, that just does think. not work. The Apple Opticals. Ooh, there you go. Um, Yahoo Trademark. got rebranded. 
uh, got rebranded hard, actually. Marissa Meyer has been CEO of Yahoo now for over a year. We're going to go hear her talk down at CES and has become one of the most powerful women in tech. They got a new logo. They bought 20 new properties, including Flickr, and have not died. They've done actually pretty well. Their stock has risen despite some uh, controversial calls from uh, CEO Myers, uh, namely not letting people work from home anymore, which is kind of a duh move. Of course, you're not going to let them work from home anymore. They weren't working from home to begin with. <laughs> so uh, congratulations to Yahoo for another year not dying. Uh, BlackBerry decided to keep doing everything that they've been doing and somehow also didn't die. This is my second <laughs> prediction show in a row where BlackBerry has not died. Just, just give it up. As, I as, think they're doing it to spite me now. I, I, they're I, like the cockroach of the tech world. If now, you need, they, if you need a lesson, some well, some people are like put on this earth as a cautionary tale to others. <laughs> BlackBerry, you would think that they would be that cautionary tale, but the bad stuff that should ultimately happen to them doesn't happen. So are they an example as opposed they, to a cautionary tale? Blackberry is the truest example of a Greek tragedy that just refuses to end. <laughs> you know, you have the rise, you have the pride and you have the fall, but they've just yet to set themselves on fire on a pyre in the middle of their estate. You know, I mean, that's, that's the only step that's left. I'm not dead yet. Exactly. <laughs> I think I'll go for a walk. You know, Homer knew when to end a tragedy. These guys are just, they're just milking it for a sequel or something. They did get rid of their other CEO. They did get rid of a bunch of people. And if we need to remind you where we were a year ago, I want to say it was our last prediction show. It was right after our last prediction show when BlackBerry launched the Be Bold team. <laughs> do you guys remember this yeah that how was are you new year's to, eve wasn't it yeah how are you going to yeah. be bold in 2013 and you had people who looked like rejects from the captain planet series as these four blackberry themed superheroes called the be bold team yeah that's where we've come from Somehow they survived that, and they've survived every bad decision since, and the $12,000 Porsche phones, and like the Z10. Yeah, launching their work. only popular product and then pulling it because it wasn't going to the people they wanted anyway. Somehow they're still together. Okay, healthcare.gov launched and died repeatedly over and over and over. Uh, quick recap of this, because it's pretty recent, and it's still in the news cycle, actually. $400 million of government money and, what, what two years of round-the-clock build? Yeah. Yeah, uh, produced a website that wasn't fit to be hosted on GeoCities. It couldn't handle people. It didn't give them correct information. It required too much information to sign up. And then once you signed up, it then promptly crashed. It made... All the comedy cycles, all the news cycles for months, and only now, what is this, four months later, is starting to rise from the ashes at a very abysmally slow, glacially slow rate. Good job, those guys, I guess. Okay. <laughs> the next-gen consoles launched, all of them now, because the Wii U launched Wii U. earlier in the year. 
and then the Xbox One and the PS4 launched in November. Does the Wii U really count as a next-gen console? It does and doesn't. It's the next no, generation of Nintendo. But, but it's it, still same generation as the 360. Yeah, it's not on par with the PS4 and, three, uh, and 1. Well, and, and admittedly, um, Nintendo will never be on par with them, and they don't want to be. They, they've stated that they, they like being where they are, and they are. Yeah, you know what we call that? (laughs) Hipsters. I'll never be the popular one. That's okay. I don't want to be the popular. I know way more in my own position right now. This Nintendo, is where the, cool the hipster kids are. of the gaming world. Nintendo's too old to be the hipsters of the gaming no, world. No, no. That's why they fit so well. We were okay. video games before video games were cool. I see what you're saying. That's and, what and Atari that, could say. Except works. Atari failed. <laughs> True. They're not making consoles anymore, Zoner. I don't know if you knew that, but I, they're not, not making well, games either. I had heard something, you know. My 2600, I got a. I, I I really need to get me I'm a still new waiting joystick for, the OTA for it. Update. <laughs> yeah, I installed Netflix to my uh, Atari. Yeah, <laughs> I figured yeah. Hulu on my Sega Power Deck works so well. I upgraded this to a uh, 64k RAM on that bad boy. <laughs> okay, uh, no real news there. It's new enough. You know what's happened. They've launched just mad amounts of units. Uh, the system's been taking off. They've both had their uh, both the PS4 and the Xbox One had launch issues, which are slowly getting worked out. I myself probably won't be buying either one of them for at least a year, but that's me. And finally, the big one, the 800-ton gorilla in the room, is the NSA. Of course, Edward Snowden, NSA contractor, got a whole bunch of information, leaked it to the Washington Post and to the Telegraph and to the Guardian, and published what he knew. Then ran for Hong Kong, then ran to parts unknown for a while, and finally ended up in Moscow. At first... And is now being offered amnesty because it turns out he didn't just steal some stuff. He stole all the stuff. You know, mean that picture however you want. Steal all the things. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So that is your very brief 2013 year in review. Um, We have a little promo here from Squishy coming up for his next episode of Squishy's Comics and Movies. So we're going to hand it over to him. This week on the Scam Show Podcast, Keanu Reeves isn't hot on the idea of a Point Break remake, posters for 12 Years a Slave are causing controversy in Italy, the new Wonder Woman gives critics of her physique something to think about, and with the ultimate Marvel Universe heading towards its cataclysm, we'll look back at some of the moments and storylines that shape Marvel's jump from page to screen. Plus, in our top five, we'll count down the top five most underrated Disney animated features. All this and more on the Scam Show Podcast. Squishies, comics, and movies brought to you by Stolen Droids Media. All right, and you can hear Dr. Squishy and the Scam Show podcast right here at StolenDroids.com every Monday morning. Give or take some. All right, into our year in review favorites. Now, these are favorites that may have been our favorite from earlier in the year, or they may have been something that we never got to from this last year. Mine comes from Halloween time, and I can't believe I missed this when it was new, but I have since found it. It was too late to have it as a favorite then. It seemed out of place, but since this is 2013 in review, 
I get to say it now. This comes to us from YouTube. It's a gentleman who decided to test the patience of his loved one by setting up a prank. She was asleep on the couch. He set up a custom-made puppet that hooked onto the front of the TV and then had moving arms that he could control from the landing above. She fell asleep. He hooked it up. He turned the channel onto pure static set himself up, and started moaning. He had everything set on camera. The woman sounds like she is truly mortally scared for her life, like at any moment she may die. Like all blood has fled from her lungs. She can't actually make solid sound, but she's screaming anyway. And I have to admit, throughout throughout all my laughing at her poor unfortunate misfortune, I would have been doing the same thing if I woke up to see that coming out of the TV at me. How she didn't immediately kill him on camera, I don't know. But that there's mine for the year. Uh, my favorite for the year is a toy line. And it's not new this year. It's been around for a bit. But the Funko Pop vinyl figures. Uh, I don't know if you've seen them or not. They're starting to pop up everywhere. No pun intended. Uh, I got a cu- <laughs> I got a couple for Christmas. Uh, I also picked up a couple last month for my birthday. Uh, Christmas story: Ralphie in his pink pajamas and the old man with his leg lamp. Uh, very cool figures. Uh, if you're into collecting toys, this is a line that you should probably check out if you're not already familiar with it. Nice. Uh, my favorite for the year um, is a uh, YouTube channel. They have been featured in. Probably 90% of our favorites throughout the year. Um, I'm talking about the epic rap battles of history. Um, they've come out with some really awesome uh, rap battles between between celebrities. Um, and they also release making of videos for all of them. And they're very entertaining and fun to watch. So Excellent. Well, um, this is the Stolen Droids crew uh, telling you that you know, we hope you had a really great uh, Christmas, uh, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, or just happy holiday. We hope you have a great and safe New Year's as well. We look forward to uh, seeing you at NMX and CES. We're leaving in just like a week. But uh, before then, we hope you have a very happy New Year's. Until next time, cheers. End of line. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.